there's a light. Here's the cowboy junkies.
Tuesday night in San Francisco. Not quite till Halloween, but feeling in the thick of fall. Eight minutes after 10 p.m. Where are you? I don't know. But if you can hear me talking, then I know what you're doing. I know you're tuned into BFF.FM. Best frequencies forever. Christopher Wind, I'm here with you and here for you every Tuesday, 10 p.m. to midnight. And I'd like to welcome you with open arms and a bright, shining heart to the first hour of Horizons. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome, friend, welcome. There aren't many opportunities to tune in after this one. Two more, in fact. Horizons is a nighttime program of nighttime music. For nighttime people in the nighttime. Songs for the lovers, songs for the lonely hearts, songs for those people somewhere out along the in between. Songs for you, songs for me, songs for the nighttime. That dark magnetism holds us together, draws us to places like this, keeps things moving keeps the right things together, keeps the not right things apart. Up at the top of the hour we heard, like we've heard every broadcast for the last seven years, we heard Abraham's theme by Vangelis from the Chariots of Fire original motion picture soundtrack. And getting us started, an album recorded in a church, I think a fall day. Toronto, Ontario. The album's called The Trinity Sessions. The band, Cow 
misguided angel. We're on a mission to play some of our favorite songs that we've heard over the years here on Horizons just one more time before we put out the lights. Here's Frank Sinatra with his concept album Watertown with For a While. Lost in day to day Turned another way With a lot A kind hello Some small talk With those I know I forget That I'm not over you For a while Wave An easy grin A smile to put them in With other lies To listen to And some work I've got to do I forget That I'm not over you For a while When you have some time to spend, drop around and meet a friend, they forget that I'm not over you.
far too much for far too long Looking back I could have played it differently Start to 
Dizendo eu já criei seu pai Hoje vou criar você Ainda tenho muita vida pra viver Meu pai grande Quisera eu ter sua raça pra contar A história dos guerreiros Trazidos lá do longe Trazidos lá do longe Sem sua paz De minha saudade 
Christopher Wynn, This Is Horizons. And in the middle there, an artist who I just had the benefit of seeing on his farewell career finale tour this past Sunday. Milton Nascimento off the LP Milton, a song called Pae Grande. Starting out that set, Randy Crawford from her LP, Now We May Begin. The song's called One Day I'll Fly Away. And now, another perennial favorite here on Horizons. It's Moondog off his LP Heart Songs with High on a Rocky Ledge. It's 37 minutes after 10 p.m. You're tuned into BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever. This is Horizons. Now I'm an idol 
voice of Gloria Estefan, the Miami Sound Machine off their LP Primitive Love, songs called Words Get in the Way, and closing out that set, a band that we've, we've touched on a number of times throughout the years here on Horizons, a Glaswegian band called Deacon Blue, songs called Orphans from their LP When the World Knows Your Name. Now there are some artists who have played a lot here on Horizons, and uh, usually it's because they're favorites of ours. And sometimes we'll come across two favorite artists that we didn't know did a song together. We've heard this before, but we're going to hear it one more time. It's Mark Isham off his self-titled LP, Mark Isham, featuring vocals by Tanita Tickerum. The song is called I Never Will Know. Thank you. 
been happening with you boys you have a nice time on your trip all the way from Jersey City you look pretty as a picture Prick. 
Did I say something at the last break right before that two songs that we just heard about favorites here on Horizons? Because for a two song set, it contained three favorites. First up, it was Mark Isham off his self-titled LP with vocals by another favorite, Tanita Tickerum. The song is called I Never Will Know. Closing out that two-song set, another favorite, yet another, Randy Newman, off his album Born Again, dark foreboding number, called Pretty Boy. It's 11 p.m., you're tuned into BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever. My name is Christopher Wind, I'm here with you and here for you, every Tuesday, 10 p.m. to midnight. And I'd like to welcome you with open arms and a bright shining heart to the second hour of Horizons. This is week three of October, four Tuesdays in October, which means we're going to hear yet another episode of Nightfall from the Canadian Broadcasting Company in the early 80s. I'm going to tell you now because we're going to have to eventually go right into it because of time constraints. Tonight's broadcast from the CBC is a story written in 1963 by Peter S. Beagle called Guest of Honor, also known as Come Lady Death. And the broadcast we're going to hear tonight is from 1981. But that's always off. For now, here's Barbara Dixon again off the Barbara Dixon album, the song called Can't Get By Without You. It's one minute after 11. You're tuned into BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.
Request your attendance at a formal ball given to honor the most important guest of all. The setting is London, the year 1750. The play, based on a short story by Peter S. Beagle and dramatized by Len Peterson, is called The Guest of Honor. Parties. Parties. I'm so bored. Parties. But it's expected, Lady Neville. That I open the season with a gala that leaves everyone gasping. Lorimond, you're the poet. Inspire me. Oh, let's see. Um, poisoned champagne every fifth glass? <laughs> Milady, you'd be the talk of London oh, and Edinburgh. Yes, Lorimond. Now, who might I invite who wouldn't bore me silly? Oh, 
The king, of course, and the archbishop. <laughs> Georgie, Georgie, when he goes on and on and on in his German strudel English about his mistresses and his money, my feet go to sleep. As for the archbishop of Canterbury, all that talk about altar boys. But you have inspired me, Lorimond. Someone I'd not thought of. Oh? The ultimate guest. Who? Death. You mean... Death? In person. It would never have occurred to me. Such a stunning idea. Death. A party guest. Why not? At Lady Neville's next grand ball. Since her husband died, her life increasingly has been devoted to parties and balls, the leading lords of England, all eager to be invited. She's the wisest and wittiest woman in all London, Lady Neville. And I, David Lorimond, her personal secretary and poet laureate. What a brilliant combination. Strike the king off my list, Lorimond. His Majesty off. As you wish. Struck off. And his queen. Caroline. Oh, all that royal Teutonic wit. Boring. Ecclesiastical wit. Hmm. Off the list as well. The Archbishop of Canterbury. All archbishops. And bishops. Yeah, it should improve the general level of dancing. And no George Frederick Handel. No Handel on the harpsichord. Playing for his supper. Oh, his music's marvellous, but I doze. Oh, my dear Flora, this is beyond my comprehension, this break with... Ask your wisest friends if this is not rash. Inconceivable. Summon them. Thank you for coming, Colonel Compson, Lord and Lady Torrance, Condessa Delacantini. I am to break the news to you. News? <clears throat> for her grand ball to open the season, Lady Neville has struck off all eminences except oh. you, you. Even the king is off oh, the list. But Flora loves court <laughs> No more. But a ball without... The... And she has had Handel. Uh, had Handel? Had Handel. More and more, my dear friends, I find my parties entertaining everyone but me. But Flora, darling, the secret of your long life... Not finding always... anything dull. Oh, now everything is intolerable. Going to parties to be bored... Especially my own. So you intend... Uh, to my next ball, I shall invite the one guest not even I shall find boring. Lady Neville, do tell. Guest of honour shall be death himself. <laughs> Charming. <laughs> death? Lady Neville, you are jesting. Death will come when ready. Why hurry him? Oh, Colonel Compson, if death has plans to take any one of us on the night of my party, he will come, whether invited or not. And if he has no such plans? Then I think it will be diverting to have death among us. And if he is in a good humor, offering us a, a trick or two from the beyond. Lady Neville, death is so busy, I doubt he'll accept your invitation. No one has ever refused an invitation of mine. Well, it'll certainly be the unforgettable event of the season. Death dancing at Lady Neville's ball. <laughs> One difficulty, Lady Neville. Yes, Solomon. Uh, if sending an invitation, uh, how do we address him? Oh. 
His lordship dead? Well, that puts him only on the level of a viscount or a baron. Yes, his majesty. And make him the king's equal? Well, impossible. Couldn't do that. Uh, his eminence dead? Ah, David, ah, so clever with words. Still, uh, how is the invitation to reach death? Who knows where he lives? Well, he must have a good address. Or does he live among the poor, their only friend? David Lorimond. Death may be forced to deal with poor people, but I hardly think he seeks them out. Death must be a nobleman. Oh, the question remains, what street and name or number of his residence? Darren, my hairdresser, has a sick child. He was telling me just yesterday, and sounded quite despairing. Send for him, Lorimond. We'll give him the invitation. Darrell, in turn, can give it to death when his eminence comes to take the brat. It must be done conventionally. I see no other way. If your hairdresser refuses? Why should he? Uh, my lady, you don't think it a, a cruel thing to do? Lodeman, get on with it. Fetch him! <laughs> Fuss. Darrell, the hairdresser, comes as bidden. Sir, Lady Neville's wanting me? Yes. Come in. Sir. But, uh, I'm not to do her hair? No. Air of a guest, then? Not a guest. I don't do servants' hair. Three scissors and pins never touch but ladies' tresses. She had to test me, sir, scheming to give me a scullery maid to dolly up, and when I does, out I goes. No, Darrell, no. Something missing. A valuable. I wouldn't touch a valuable. Ah, oh, Lorimer, you tracked him down. Darrell, how is your son? Billy? Poorly, ma'am. Well, when death comes for him, will you please give him this invitation? Death? Lady Neville? Well, you are expecting him, aren't you? At home? Yes, ma'am. Well, why the surprised look? Take the invitation, give it to him. And it's RSVP. Mind you get a reply. This is all, ma'am? Yes, all. But highly important to me. I'll... Uh... See to it, ma'am. <laughs> Lorimond, I was right, as usual. He's happy to do it. Darrell, the hairdresser, back. After only two days, with a small white envelope. Adam. Death gave me this. Oh, nice of you, Daryl. Thank you. Oh. Plain, tasteful calling card. <laughs> Where are my glasses? <laughs> oh, you read it, Lorimer. <clears throat> Death will be pleased to attend Lady Neville's ball. <sighs> Marvelous. <laughs> Daryl, what's he like? Like? Yes. What is death like? Death? 
Dorimond. Call Colonel Compson from the sunroom. He must see my little triumph. Yes, Lady Neville. Now, Daryl, tell me about his manner, his looks, his dress. Death. Well, it's... It's hard to... Oh, you are being tedious, Daryl. Ah! <laughs> Colonel, see what I have. This mm. communication from... Guess who? Uh, oh. <laughs> yes, oh, I am surprised. And not surprised. What could Lady Neville not demand and get? Terse, isn't it? Oh, indeed. But a plain card. No crest, no embossing. I find that peculiar. Not as peculiar as the writing. Almost a delicate hand. Refined. Cultivated. Well, there was nothing delicate about the death I saw on the battlefield. Slashing right and left. Black armoured. Stride a black horse. Daryl, how could you be sure it was death? What did death say? Are you trying to make fools of us? My little son... And call the footman. What, my lady? Take this insolent fellow, give him a sound whipping, and throw him out into the street. Lady Neville, the poor man, lost his son not an hour ago. And he must learn that I am not to be trifled with. I believe that note is genuine. The ball in death's honor shall take place two weeks from tonight. Let death come as death pleases. But, uh, as a skeleton? I am less frightened of death and less certain of its form than I was. I am too old to be afraid of anything that can still use a quill pen to write a letter. Colonel Thompson, David Lorriman, spread the word to my many friends and urge them to speak to their servants so that all of London may be informed. On this one night, no one in the world will die, for death will be dancing at Lady Neville's ball. Lady Neville's Evening of Evenings Everyone arrives early. Handsome carriages, fine horses, spilling up the great driveway to the Neville Mansion. Like a grand funeral procession. Appropriate. <laughs> or not. What is fitting when one's honoured guest is death himself? Finest musicians in London. But for all their lovely notes, not a single couple steps onto the dance floor. No young lord begs the honour of the first dance with Lady Neville. Everyone clusters against the walls, in corners. Why have they come to my party if they're afraid? I will die sooner than anyone here, but I'm not afraid. Entertaining death excites me. Excites or frightens you? Your scarf is twisted in knots and you cannot sit down without rising again. David, fetch me a glass of red wine. I brought you seven, lady. One sip and you set it down and forget it. I do. 
Where is death? Where indeed? Far from punctual, I'm afraid. Death will not arrive until midnight. I feel it. Striking midnight. What form will death take? Or what disguise? Don't distress yourself. Death. Oh, have my face. It has not come. There, 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 my darling. I tell you, nothing to be afraid of. The whole thing's a joke. Oh, <laughs> Death will not be invited again. Laudermann, I am ruined. I wanted to give a ball so grand that those not invited would be publicly shamed. How could I want to shame even their majesties? This humiliation is my reward. No. I am ruined and I deserve it. On my spite. Don't think that. David, get everyone dancing. Signal the orchestra. Yes. Play! A musical drawn out all this mockery. Dance with me, David Lorimer. You will not have another chance. I shall never again give a party. I am honored, Lady Neville, to have been invited to this, your last ball. Let them laugh. I did not fear death when they were all trembling. Why should I fear their laughter now? This cool chill suddenly through the house. Am I late? Oh, I am so sorry. Before the footman can announce her, a lovely young girl in a white dress slips gracefully into the ballroom and glances about, smiling. Can that be she? I must go and greet her. Lady Neville, be careful. Take care. How incredibly useful, attractive. Vibrant she is. Welcome, my lady. Death? You are Lady Neville. Thank you for inviting me. You honor us. I must apologize, but I'd a long way to come, and my horse is tired. Lady Death, I'll have one of the grooms feed your horses and rub them down. Oh, no. Don't anyone go near my steeds. They're not real horses, and they're very fierce. And you, my lady? Real enough to accept this glass of wine? Thank you. 
everyone, upon getting to know me well, finds me very real. I do not doubt it, dear Lady Death. Beautiful house you have. I wish I lived here. I shall one day. You what? Oh, I'm sorry, Lady Neville. I'm cruel without wishing to be. I'm not used to this kind of hospitality. And I do stupid things. Please forgive me. <laughs> you have said nothing untoward. While you are my guest, my house is yours. <laughs> Lovely music. I have not danced in such a long time. I fear I've forgotten. She is surprisingly shocked. What is wrong with all my young lords? Why is no one stepping forward to dance with her? You wish me to? No. Stay by me. I'm near fainting. Is it because she is deaf, that sweet young thing, that none of these gallants will chance a gavotte with her? Ah, Lady Neville, look. Not all your gallants have failed you, Colonel Compson. My dear, exquisite young lady, may I have the honor of this dance? I was hoping you'd ask, Colonel Compson. You know me? I have seen you at a distance. Some brutal encounters I've had to attend. You're magnificent, Colonel. For such a vivacious girl, I am surprised. Graceless dancing. No notion of musical rhythm. The colonel, though, keeping his dignity and humor. But his eyes. Look at his eyes. Oh, Lord. Glazed with fear. Still, I have never seen him dance so well. Smiles his lovely lady into flowing with him. Yes. That comes of having military ideals to uphold. Little by little, other couples overcome their fear and slip hurriedly onto the floor when death has her back to them. But no brave gallant tries to relieve Colonel Compson of his beautiful partner. Ah, I'm getting the feel of the music now. You are. If it is true... Yes? ...that I saw you at some of those bloody battles, how can you have changed so? How can you be now so lovely? <laughs> I thought that among so many handsome people here tonight... It would be better to be beautiful. Ah. I was afraid of frightening everyone, spoiling the party. Well, most of your guests, Lady Neville, thought she would be ugly. But you, David, knew she would be beautiful. The musicians play on and on. Lady Neville dances with everyone except death's captive, Colonel Compson. And now, no woman at the ball dances better than death herself. They're jealous of death. Passionately. I am not jealous of her in the least, and not afraid of her. Who oh, will not talk of this night for years to come? Oh. 
What has happened? Well, poor musicians cannot play forever. <laughs> Exhausted. Out the window. Look. The night is almost gone. I too must go. Oh, no, no. Even though the dancing is done, you must stay a while longer, sweet death. I've had a wonderfully worldly time. I will remember this night forever. Then stay. A while longer. Dear Colonel Compson, my first real gallant. Not tired of me yet? Never. Do stay. Lady Death, stay. So I may dance and talk with you. If Colonel Compson, who plays the harpsichord tolerably, will play. Such gallants I have. A soldier and a poet. Oh, to be a woman. But this romancing comes too late. I must go. My husband and I think you're charming. Beautiful, please stay. Ah, gracious Lady Torrance. Terrified of me all evening. Clinging tightly to your husband. No longer. And the Contessa della Candini. Standing well back. Disapproving. Do you want me to stay? To be one of your friends? I disapprove no longer. Nor do I envy your beauty. You are a... True lady. And you? And you? And you? All of you? Do you want me to live among you? To be deaf no more? Yes. 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 You want me to visit your homes? Come to your parties? Wear the gowns you wear? Say the clever things you say? And will one of your gallants marry me? The rest of you dance at my wedding? Oh, yes. Stay. Become one of us. Be certain. Be sure, all of you. If one of you says, no, go away, then I must leave and never return. Do all of you want me? Yes. We are dull and stupid and grow old uselessly. Stay with us, Lady Death. Very well. I shall stay. I will be death no more, but a woman. There is a price to pay. There is always a price. One of you must become death in my place. There must forever be death in the world. Will anyone choose, any of you, willingly, to be death in my place so that I might be a woman? No one will offer? Then I must choose. And that is just. For that's how I became death. I never wanted to be this phantom. It makes me so happy that you want me to become worldly, mortal, a woman. I've searched a long time for people fond of me. Now I have only to choose someone to replace me, and it is done. The Contessa della Candini. Me? Me? <laughs> no. Death's vocation is beyond you. <sighs> hmm. And not Colonel Compson, of His Majesty's Household Cavalry. Too kind to become death. A task too cruel to him. 
The colonel himself wants to die so badly. Lady Death, must you be so shrewd, so cautious? Not David Lorimond, the poet. No? You know so little of life, and I'm too attracted to you. You hurt me, and quicken me. Lord and Lady Torrance, are you care too much for each other to take pride in being deaf? You are less capricious, my lady, than we thought. I was far from your age, Lady Neville, when I became deaf. What must it be like to be your age eventually? I have been this old mortal far too long. Lady Neville, the ideal one. I choose Lady Neville. I am honoured. But is there no one more worthy? No one. No one so weary of being human. No one who knows better how meaningless it is to be alive. No one else. Certainly not here. With the power to treat life, the life of your hairdresser's child, say, is the meaningless thing it is. Death has a heart, but so empty. And your heart, Lady Neville, empty as a dry riverbed. Not always, but yes, it's widowhood. You will be content as death, more than I. For I was very young when I became death. Still life hungry. But you are aged and close to the end. Death comes toward Lady Neville, lightly, her deep eyes wide and full of the morning's red sun. Everyone else moves back. Lady Neville, pale, thin hands clenched, Watches death come toward her with graceful, dancing steps. Lady Neville, we must kiss each other. That is the way I became death. Quickly, quickly. Oh, I cannot wait to be alive again. <laughs> you may not like it after a while. Perhaps not. I'll not be as beautiful as I am. And people will not love me as they do now. But I will be a loved and loving woman for a while. Then die as humans die. I have done my penance. What penance? What was it you did? Why did you become death? I don't remember. And you too will forget in time. Lady Death is smaller, slighter than Lady Neville. So much younger. Perhaps like a daughter Lady Neville never had. Death lifts her head to kiss the old lady's cheek. You will still be beautiful when I am ugly. Be kind to me then. I promise. Lady Neville's last human act. With dry cracked lips, she kisses the soft, sweet-smelling cheek of young Lady Death.
How'd you like that one? Guest of Honor from the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Company, 1981. Their horror series called Nightfall. The story was written by Peter S. Beagle. Before that, and I warned you, we were going to have to go right into the nightfall, so there was no moment to set it up in any way. No break right beforehand, so I did the best thing I could. I played something very, very feel-good and very, very Canadian to precede it. Anne Murray, off of her album, New Kind of Feeling, the song was called I Just Fall in Love Again. In the middle of that music set that started out this whole last half hour, it was Sinead O'Connor off her LP, I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. The song was called Three Babies. And speaking of threes, that set started off with a song from an LP called All the Time, All the Time, All the Time. The band was called The Box. The song was called Remnants. We've got one more Tuesday left in October. One more broadcast of CBC's Nightfall. And then after that, after that it's November. And we have one more Horizons left together. And you know, while it feels melancholy, I'm happy about it. Because when we burned, we burned oh so brightly together. We kept that light going shining, alive. We were there for each other, especially through those last couple very dark years. There to stoke the light, there to make sure it's burning, both for ourselves and for those who need it. So I hope you're taking care of each other out there. We still need that as much as ever. And I hope you're keeping your your inner light shining so people have a way to see by when theirs isn't shining so bright. Sounds in the Dark is up next. It's two minutes in front of midnight. You're tuned into BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. My name's Christopher Wind. I'm here with you and here for you every Tuesday, at least for the next two, 10 p.m. to midnight. And until the next time,